Good afternoon and welcome to the Cloud Design Box podcast. Uh, with me today is Rachel Howarth, who's the Vice Principal of the Bradford Girls uh, Grammar School. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Uh, Rachel's been with us before on the on the uh, on the podcast, and she's come back today um, to talk about a couple of really uh, interesting topics. Um, so today we're going to be looking at two things: uh, rapid assessment uh, through polls and forms in assignments, um, and also looking at measuring student engagement uh, through things like tracking attendance and insights. So, Rachel, over to you. Thank you. Um, the last time we spoke, we were using Class Notebook um, almost exclusively to um, engage our students who were self-isolating due to COVID. But since the lockdown, we've started live teaching. And so although we're still using Class Notebook for the students who can't actually access the lessons live, and there are a significant number of them because uh, quite a few of our students are sharing devices, so need to access our content on demand. Uh, we also have been live teaching, which means that we've had to do a lot more formative assessment using the tools in Teams. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, originally, we, we, we were setting homework using the assignments in Teams in the traditional way. Um, and our colleagues have got a lot better at using that and have started to use the rubrics version uh, within yeah. assessments. Um, and the students are finding that useful when they're getting the feedback. But that's sort of an ongoing process. In terms of formative assessment, we've been using quite a lot of polls uh, to get uh, a quick measure of where students are in terms of their learning. I can probably share an example of that for you now. So we often use these polls at the start of lesson or maybe halfway through to check understanding um, and maybe to go back and check prior knowledge as well, because that's a really important part of helping students to embed their learning into their long term memory about keeping going and keeping repeating and checking questions. And there's an example of the summary of the we use Microsoft Forms for this um, and if you create a poll actually in the chat box, you've got the responses that you can have a look at later. And I can see here that uh, of the 11 students that answered this poll, one of them perhaps hadn't understood it properly. And that would have been addressed in the lesson, but it's also useful for when we're planning for revision to come back and have a look at the results of those. And it helps with um, planning. Um, our learning going forwards. So, so it's making your, your classroom teaching really interactive, I guess, in a single lesson, but also, you know, between Tuesday and Thursday, you get a chance to think about, did yes. I get that lesson right? Uh, did, did, did they go away with the golden nuggets or did some of them come away with lumps of coal because they've they've not quite understood yeah. what, what I was what I was saying? And we're also developing the assignments using that same kind of quizzing element as, as well. So I'll have an, another go at sharing the screen again to show in an example of, of that. Um, there's two forms. One's a self-marking quiz that we've been using quite successfully, which actually gives the students the answers as they're moving along. And then the other is using it as a, a short assignment as an activity within um, a lesson. And that's useful because you can see that as well and give feedback um, live in the lesson 
as you're reviewing what the students' answers are. I'll try and share these with you now. I'll just enlarge it a little bit. Lovely, I haven't got my glasses on. So this is an example of a self-marking quiz. Um, and you can see that the student hasn't actually understood some of this, but you've got the opportunity as a teacher to add some feedback as well. So they're not just documents where the students get a right or wrong answer. And actually often I'll look at the quiz results in the lesson, but actually after the lesson, go back in and give some individual feedback as well so that I can give some pointers about what they can do to help their understanding get better, like read the chapter of the book again. So that's the self-marking quiz. Um, but sometimes I give uh, assignments with, so I set them up as a quiz, but I don't actually give any points. And the idea is here that I can give some feedback. So this was an A-level um, question when we were looking at um, the attractiveness of international markets, as you can see. Um, <laughs> and actually topic. really understanding here that the students hadn't done enough wider reading around their course and that, that they were going from their own knowledge rather than actually backing the claims with evidence. So it gives you a chance to give some individual feedback as well as um, also speaking in general to the class. So we've been using these kind of quick quizzes, but a lot of other techniques as well. So in terms of things that are a bit quicker, we do a lot of um, three, two, one chats in the chat poll, because actually if you ask students just to answer a question, you get the same students answering every time in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the techniques we might use in a classroom could be using mini whiteboards and, and getting everybody to hold up their answer so that you can have a broad sweep of who's understanding and who isn't. So the three, two, one go but sort of exercise that we use in the chat is really useful. It's been used widely across school in order to make sure that you're getting a broader view of what students are answers are without them having a look at what other people are saying, because what you find with polls and doing it the other way is that you get a lot of copying of people, even if they're, they're wrong. Yeah, social alignment. They're, they're, yes. they're making sure yeah. they say more or less the same thing as because because otherwise people will laugh at me. It's, it's, the, it's, it's what students are always uh, afraid of. We use the uh, chat function also to maybe type in a few different answers and ask the students to do thumbs up if they agree or which one they agree with. Um, and we've got the new function now. Uh, the raise hand function has now been expanded and you can do things like putting a thumbs up on the screen. Um, yeah, just like that. And so that's even quicker so that you're getting that kind of dynamic feedback. Um, straight away from your students and so we're learning really rapidly. I think we've been on a really steep learning curve in terms of implementing methods of assessment into our practice as we develop as, as remote teachers. So what, what's clear to me from what you're saying is, is that there are different uh, modalities of, of, of assessment that you can do. There's kind of quick assessments where it's just a, it's a straw poll 
um it's it's a hands up you're just getting a sense of is is everybody following right now are, are they are they understanding what i'm saying at this at this very moment but then you could do kind of slightly longer term polls where you might take a poll halfway through a lesson or at the end of one lesson in preparation for, for the second lesson that week uh, and that again gives you a bit more interactivity uh, and then of course finally you've got your, your assignments which yeah. are kind of they might be formal assessments you might even write the, the results into a mock book somewhere uh, as, as part of an ongoing assessment does that how well does that map to what teachers are used to doing in a normal classroom is is it the same or, or are the are the processes different are the challenges different doing it online i think actually it's an easier way of doing it if the students all had access to ict in the classroom all the time then i think doing quick polls would interact would engage them more as well so it's a kind of practice that i would like to continue with in terms of longer pieces of work and essays um the feedback box is quite small um in terms of what you might want to give back to students so that's i suppose a disadvantage in one way but an advantage in another because it puts yeah. down the amount of work you're doing you have to think very carefully about uh, how you phrase your feedback and make sure that it's succinct as well mm. now yeah. you do class notebook a lot um, yeah. do you ever record your feedback on a class notebook page so you, you've set an assignment for students they've each got their own version of that page you go in and you mark the page do you always use kind of inking or comments or do you ever just say i'm just going to record this and they can listen to me no, some some colleagues do actually, rather than using the assignments, they may push something out individually into students' individual um, class notebooks. And then the option of using audio rather than actual written feedback is there for them. Yeah. I know that one of the things we talked about last time is, is not deliberately not putting documents inside the class notebook pages yeah. because it could cause sync issues. But I do think a small audio clip that, that is you, you know, putting your mark as a teacher on each of those pieces of work. I think that would be OK. Looking looking at the sizes, that, that seems all right. Yeah, and we certainly use that on class notebook pages for explanation. So if everything the student needs is in a PowerPoint presentation, the link is on the class notebook rather than typing out. These are the lesson objectives and this is what I want you to do. Put an audio file in instead, just explain what you want the students to do and they can listen to that instead and it, it does save time. Awesome. How about if, if you're using other tools, like say your assignment is a Word document, so the student has now done some work in Word, they've resubmitted it so it's gone back to you to, to mark. Do you ever use things like the dictation tools in, in Word just, just to make it easier as a teacher instead of you having to, to, to type the response just to use that dictation tool? I haven't, we haven't, but um, that sounds like a really good idea. I might be testing that out after <laughs> the uh, session. Yeah, definitely. It, it's something we discovered and we, we cover it in our training now because um, so it might, might be quite useful to look at. Uh, and the other thing is, of course, a lot of people are asking, um, can I record my feedback in the actual assignment bit in, on, on the assignment grade, grade book page? Uh, and the answer at the moment is no, but there is a user voice that's that's growing in popularity for that. So if anybody watches this and thinks, yeah, that would be a good idea, if you can go to that user voice um, and, and vote that up, um, I think that will get quite a lot of traction. Yes, I think that would be really interesting. Um, 
development and also would save colleagues more time. Great. Um, so shall we move on to the student engagement? Yes, bit? yeah, we can. Uh, I was just going to uh, share my screen with you about the insights and how we use it because we use it in two different ways. Again, I'll make it uh, slightly larger so we can have a look at both parts. So the teacher would use the top part. I've actually screenshotted two parts. They're, they're in separate screens. You can see at the top there's your screens and your classes. So the top one is showing my classes um, and that gives you an insight as a teacher into what's happening in that particular class. What I would say is that the inactive student in my year 13 class is actually cloud design box. It's not one of the students. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting to, to understand that. But at least if you, it gives you an insight as a teacher as to who hasn't been interacting at all. Um, but it's also useful because you can drill down and see how the students have been using Teams. Because as I said before, not all our students have access to live lessons. And you may think, oh, they've missed my lesson. We need to catch up. But actually, if you look, they could have accessed the class notebook and you'd be able to see that or the files that are in the Teams area. So you can see whether it is really a lack of engagement or whether the student is engaging at another time. So right. that's really useful as a teacher. And, and as for my year 11 class, I don't teach them till later in the week. So that's the excuse for 15 of them being inactive <laughs> at the moment. So I, I suppose when you look at these metrics, uh, as with any statistic, you've got to look at it and really understand what you're looking at. So it's not just a case of saying, oh, I've got a high a high peak on that chart. That's good. Um, some of those students, you know, will not have access to the live lessons and therefore you need to look in other metrics for whether they're participating in other ways. Are they are they having conversations in the teams? Are they doing their assignments? Uh, are they using the class notebook and, and so on? It gives you a much better insight into the, the overall activity of the student. And then just moving down, this is the schools dashboard, which I'm finding really useful at the moment. It gives us a lot of evidence about the level of engagement and you can see that the level of engagement is pretty much consistent week on week. This is the low week is half term, which would be expecting students and teachers not to be doing much work on um, teams, but actually week on week you can see that we're getting a high level of engagement. I think we're getting between 690 and 700 daily active users uh, on teams and that's really useful um, information for us to have. Where it slightly dips there was a snow day, but then we were followed two days later by the highest ever interaction. So it gives us some really good quality data about uh, how useful our students are finding teams as well as our teachers. But I just wanted to say something about this little this bar chart down at the bottom because that's been really useful for our pastoral support. What we could see at the start of the um, time when we were working uh, live was that we had a large number of users or larger than there are now working in the middle of the night. So that was really useful for us to be able to put out some welfare messages to parents and to pupils um, 
you know, along the lines of you shouldn't be working in the middle of the night. You need to get good rest and supporting families. We can't tell who those people are and they may well be teachers because these are users rather than split down by students or teachers. But yeah. it gives us a, an opportunity to have that conversation with our community, whether they be pupils or teachers and say you shouldn't really be working in the middle of the night. Interesting. Yeah, it's amazing the different things you, you can get out of this just by kind of how you read the data and what that tells you. And I think that's an important one, knowing that the, the, the people working in the middle of the night is, you know, is, is important. So you can tackle that with, with the general kind of policy or bit of advice. Well, to be yes, because we need to take care of all our community and make sure that um, we are supporting everyone that we need to during this time, which is really tough for everybody. And then behind those graphs, there are the reports. So then we can use those reports to drill down further and looking at specific um, children sometimes to be able to map their activity over time. And that helps us when we're having conversations with them and the parents about any difficulties that they might be having. So what would trigger that? Would, would, would it would it start off with you kind of looking at a metric on a, on a, on a wider graph going, I wonder which students are doing less because we notice there's a bit of a dip on in this graph or would you be concerned with particular students that, that you know about anyway and you think we, we need to support them a bit more we would definitely know about them anyway so anytime any student misses a live lesson that's immediately triggers uh, a phone call from the admin team to find out what the reason is um, and often we find over time our families who are not able to access live lessons but actually the students are accessing them later then clearly we know that there isn't a problem with those yeah. families and, and a weekly welfare check is enough for them but actually if it's an issue with engagement then that would then be stepped up very quickly. So we know about these students already. So then it could be a year leader coming to me and saying, um, can we have a look in more detail at this particular student and see yeah. what the access is? Because it helps them with the conversation with the parents to be able to say exactly when the student has been online and what they've been doing. Yeah. What, what is your process for, uh, for capturing attendance in, in particular live lessons? Do you, do you use the tools that that, that are built in uh, and then yeah. how, how do you then put that into your MIS somehow? We do. So what we have is we use the um, the function where we look at the participants and then we at the end of the lesson, we would then download uh, this Excel spreadsheet, which tells us how many students have been in the lesson and for how long. And that's usually quite useful because actually if somebody's come in and then left very quickly, um, then that can prompt a conversation with student and parent as well, just to check that everything's OK. Um, so we have that information. We also have access to our MIS remotely. And so teachers have been recording when um, students are not in lessons. Yeah, right. so that's how it triggers off our system, which goes from admin to year leaders to ascendance officer to safeguarding officer. So we have a stepped approach with supporting at every stage. Um, so we know exactly where all our students are every day of the week. 